Hey, Jeff Fuller back with you. Jay Fuller Interviews. Jay Fuller Interviews on YouTube, the Facebook group, Instagram, and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, Jay Fuller Interviews, and uh, join the Facebook group, Jay Fuller Interviews. Now we're also a podcast on all the platforms, uh, Apple and Google Podcasts, as the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews. I certainly believe people's stories make our stories better because, well, we can listen and learn from one another, uh, be less ignorant, more impactful, and certainly learn the best way to go through things so we don't have to duplicate the bad things that have happened. And one with a great story is Daryl Stinson. Daryl, how are you? I'm doing phenomenal. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, man. I'm so glad that you're on. And behind me, there's a picture of you holding a football. We're going to talk a little bit more about sports, but uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Jackson, Michigan, uh, home of Tony Dungy, man. He and I are the only famous people from there, and the crowd erupts in laughter. He's now famous, about, I'm not. <laughs> now, now, what about Ray Weathers? He's from around that area, isn't he? He is. He is, man. I had him on my live show, uh, him, and uh, I'm getting his wife on, Angela, as well, uh, later this month. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. My wife is from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan area. My son's actually out there for uh, college right now. Okay. Pretty- for you growing up, what was the biggest connection you had as far as was it sports, family, church? What really kept you uh, motivated when you were a kid? Uh, not staying in Jackson. <laughs> I did not want to uh, die where I was born. And I wanted to, to live a life that enabled me to get out of there. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with Jackson, but I just didn't feel like that was the place for me. I knew that in order for me to become the best version of myself i need to get away from some of those peers now how many siblings do you have oh god uh i have i always forget because my dad's still having kids man i've got five siblings so what was that like for you growing up uh with all those siblings did you guys push each other were you guys close was it just a distraction and you guys had to fight for people's affection and time oh not at all man so my family split so my mom uh, and my dad split i mean they were never really together so they did the joint custody thing uh so uh i was i was on my own a lot of the times i had a cousin who uh, came and lived with me chaz uh in the seventh grade after his mom passed away and uh, he was like a brother to me uh and i didn't really have to compete with him either <laughs> you know uh you know we had what we need to do what we need to do and uh we our parents always made sure that you know they sacrificed uh to give us a better life than what they had growing up so i'm i'm blessed and grateful in that regard so my whole competitive nature man i think just came from the fact that sports was my identity it was the way that I was going to get my family out of poverty and I wanted to be the superhero. It was what made me like loved and adored and, and people paid attention to me when I played sports. And when I didn't, I was not a cool guy to hang around. So uh, for me, that was my driving motivation and what made me a successful athlete. When did you find football? Oh, man. Um, I couldn't tell you when as far as young as I can remember, man. I started out young. My dad obviously played in college. Many people know my father. He played at CMU as well, was a fire athlete. Um, And I was always around sports, basketball, football, track, uh, pool, bowling, you you name it, esports now, right? So I've done it. I've done it all, man. And um, I just can't remember the first time I picked up a football. Uh, I remember that loving the game of basketball though that was always my first love uh, a lot of people don't know i went to college to play both 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I can't remember. Just probably, probably two years old or something, man. How old, how tall are you, Daryl? Six five. So and you, six five now, but when I was being recruited, I was six seven. Right. <laughs> now, did you have a big growth spur, or did you just kind of gradually grow the whole time? So I did have. Well, I was always kind of like the tallest, but I had I had one like sixth, seventh grade. I just shot up, and then I stopped. Like I was my growth plate said I was supposed to be like six seven, six eight, but I don't know if I. It was because the bad lifestyle I was living in high school or whatever, but I literally did not grow an inch after like freshman year in high school. Talk to me about uh, being a high school athlete going on to play college. What were the distractions that you faced? <laughs> you know, distractions, uh, the same distractions that a lot of high school schoolers face, you know, staying focused in school, uh, being where I'm from, drug activity, you know, uh, partying, girls. You know, uh, wanting to be a player at that age, and uh, and and I think just not knowing how the opportunity that I had distracted me. I think when we don't value opportunities, we tend to not prioritize them, and so I didn't value it. I took it for granted, and so just not valuing it was a distraction for me as well. So when you look back at your high school self, do you feel bad for how you saw the world at that time? Or do you kind of look back and laugh about how immature or your vantage point was just so off as many uh, teenagers see the world? I usually have two emotions when I look back at my past. Number one, I probably cry for all the bad mistakes that I've made, for the people that I hurt, for the things that I've done to sabotage my own future, to not help the people that I could have helped had I been uh, better empowered and understood my worth, my value and our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. But, um, I also look back and I celebrate and I look at how many people were in the same situation that I was in and they're either locked up dead or in prison. Um, so I celebrate for the fact that, um, my life is not what it could have been either. Yeah. And so, uh, good in God's grace. Uh, Daryl Stinson, DarylStinson.com. Uh, I heard you first on a podcast with Jason Romano, Sports Spectrum. Talk to me a little bit about your faith journey. When did you realize that for yourself, you needed Jesus in your life? Yeah. So originally when I was nine years old, uh, you know, I walked to the front of the church, put my faith in Christ, had this really young, lovely relationship with the Lord. You know, uh, I always tell people I had that childlike faith where I would close my eyes and walk up the street and say, Lord, guide me. I wouldn't suggest it now, but that's just how it really was to me at a young age. I went to church like five, six, seven days a week. Sometimes I was in the choir, junior deacon. Like I just loved the Lord. And then I found out two things. Number one, being a Christian uh, in middle school and high school where I'm from does not make you popular. <laughs> you don't get invited to parties. You don't get invited to birthdays. Like, so I started to notice that, man, this Jesus thing isn't really serving my social life really well. And then the second thing is the church that I was attending um, went through some leadership challenges and had some division. And so I started to question if the God that they believed in was even real. And I kind of started researching some stuff. So I, I completely turned away from faith and became a, a, a very avid agnostic. Um, and that all changed, you know, when my life came to uh, a tipping point um, going into my senior year. Uh, the uh, football team, Central Michigan, had kicked me off because I was taking too many opioids. 
uh, to numb the pain that I experienced from overcoming a back injury. And uh, I started to make multiple suicide attempts and uh, landed me in a psychiatric unit. And it was there that a woman came and witnessed to me. And I put my faith in Christ in the psychiatric unit. And I've been uh, uh, loving uh, my life ever since. And so you have uh, two websites. You have DarylStinson.com, then you have Second Chance Athletes. Talk to me a little bit about when God started to open these doors and opportunities for you to use your story for his glory. Immediately. Um, I think a lot of people uh, had heard about me. You know, news travels fast. <laughs> and uh, when I was in the psychiatry, a lot of people heard. And then there was a clear night and day different from when I came out. Because when I before then I was selling drugs, I was the life of the party. I was big ego headed. I wasn't a church person. I believed in a bunch of secret societies like you name it. I was just I was not a great person at all. And then I, I have this moment of conversion in a psychiatric unit and I am not the same guy when I come back. Like I come back and I'm like going to church. I'm like doing evangelism on campus. I'm like talking people into the same faith that I talked them out of. Like it was a complete run 180. I wasn't selling drugs. Well, I was still kind of selling a little bit for the first like couple <laughs> months. I had to let the money go, but I wasn't smoking <laughs> and I was, I was a completely different person. And so, uh, Man, God started to open up those doors like immediately. Like I, I, I probably shared my story. I mean, less than two weeks out of the psychiatric unit, um, a lot of athletes had heard, you know, that um, you know I was a, a Christian guy now. So I did some Bible studies for the people in the team, and I would speak and kind of do that. And it, and then just op- door after door after door began to open up. Daryl, talk to me a little bit about those times when um, you knew Jesus loved you. You knew that you had given his, your life to him, but you still struggled. There are still temptations. How would you advise new Christians or even old Christians to process that growth and maturity to take it day by day as far as process, not perfection? Uh, it's all about your identity in Christ. I think that uh, when we realize that our faith is not about what we do, but it's about what Jesus has done for us it transforms the way that we live our Christian life. And so, yeah, we are, we are all in, you know, process, but there's something about knowing, you know, our identity informs our behavior. And so uh, the decisions we make is based upon the thoughts that we think. And so when we make sin decisions uh, it's because we're trying to fill a legitimate need, an illegitimate way. It's because we have an identity that has not been renewed right, has not been transformed. We haven't recognized who we really are in Christ. And we're all in that process of maturing. So when people are um, battling those struggles and even the struggles that I still have to this day, I always go back to Jesus, our example. I look at him and say, man, he lives inside of me. Uh, I'll tell you what I don't do. I don't try to modify the behavior. I don't you know, uh, you know, swear and be like, you know what, I'm going to go 20 days without swearing. I I just look and I remind myself that I'm a child of God. I was bought with a price. I'm a precious son. And that identity will change the behavior. That's so good. Talk to me about secondchanceathletes.com. Yeah. So early on, I started sharing my story, right? I, I overcame, you know, suicide and I noticed something. People were leaving inspired, but they weren't leaving transformed. And I wasn't happy with that. A lot of people were coming up to me after I told them, um, you know, about my I had the whole spill down. Like I, I went to the psychiatric. You probably could see it online. 
uh, online somewhere, but I went to the psychiatric unit and a woman came up to me and she said, God sent me back here to tell you that you need to say yes to him. Will you say yes? And I finally said yes to Jesus. And I believe that God saved me so that I can tell you to say yes to him. Will you say yes? And I had it all down. The people were coming up to me and they were getting saved and they were like, like just, it was powerful, man. And, and I was like, all right, see you later. <laughs> and I noticed that there wasn't real transformation happening. There wasn't real follow-up. There wasn't really community being built. And so in 2017, we launched Second Chance Athletes when my wife and I moved down from Michigan all the way to Metro Atlanta, where we are today. And we began to blog and put courses online and and have some coaching available for athletes to walk them through. How do I detach my identity from sports? find my highest purpose, and then use the skills that help me to be successful as an athlete to be successful in my life after sports. So let's go back to your high school days or even your college days. If somebody asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would you have said? The best athlete of all time. And I mean that. And I always have to make that distinction. And I do in the book that you're showing there is that it, it, some people say they want to be the best, but what they mean is I just want to get to the pros. I wanted to be the best like i want there like how when people talk about michael jordan and they're like yep he's the best i want that was me that was what my goal was and i wanted to be the best in basketball and football it was just i mean it was gonna happen in my mind so that's what i would have said why were you that driven <sighs> i had identity issues <laughs> sports was my god man you know and and without it I didn't think I had any purpose worth living. So I worked hard to keep that thing. And 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 it, it was feeding my insecurity. You know, um, uh, without sports, I was deeply insecure. I hated myself, low self-image, low self-esteem. And so I worked hard to become a good athlete because it gave me good self-esteem, made me feel better about myself, made people like me. And so that's where the drivenness came from. Now, talk to me about uh, high school. Did you ever get hurt or injured when you played in high school? <laughs> yeah, funny story. So uh, there's this guy, we call him uh, Headlock. And the reason why we call him Headlock is because uh, one day in gym class, some guy like started mouthing off to him and he just... He, this dude was punching him and he just put him in his headlock and just like swung him around. So from that day on, he was known as Headlock. And uh, he was a real strong, short, stocky type of guy. And he's deadlifting like, I don't know, 415, 500 something pounds in high school. So I'm like, I'm looking at him. I'm like, I just did like 400 or whatever or three. I, I did like 50, 60 pounds less and it wasn't that hard. So I was like, I think I can do more than him ego <laughs> so i go and and i pick it up i was like oh, this is this is heavier than what it looks and i and i pulled it but i pulled it up wrong mm -hmm. and that was the beginning of some of my back pain injuries is i did have to sit down after a while i, I pinched I, I didn't pinch a nerve but i did create some herniation and uh some back damage there and and so i had to sit down for a little bit so that was the first time i got hurt other other than that i didn't have any major injuries in high school now, I had an opportunity to interview Todd Marinovich. Uh, ESPN did a 30 for 30 on his life, the Marinovich Project. And, of course, he got into some drug issues. Mm -hmm. Were there issues in your family with um, addiction that you felt like you were more susceptible to? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
I, uh, we just, this week, we actually just lost, uh, one of my cousins to a heroin overdose since she passed away. So it just touches home right now, but yeah, uh, addiction runs in my family, so many alcoholics and whatever holics, <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of stuff going on in my family. I think everybody's family's got them. So I definitely say it, it'll, it runs in the genes, but I, I don't think it was the drug or even the, uh, you know, some people believe that disease, um, addiction is a disease. And um, I'm not trying to argue that point. I just don't think that that was the driving force was like this need to be addicted to something. Mm-hmm. I think that it was this deep rooted insecurity that I had. Addiction might have been the symptom of my opioid addiction, but uh, it was not the source. So Daryl Stinson, DarylStinson.com. Um Talk to me about when you got injured at Central Michigan and then you started to uh, take those opioids. Yeah, same same problem. <laughs> the ego, I come in as a freshman. Um, I, I, I was um, traveling with the team. Yeah, I hadn't burned my red shirt yet. Um, I did very soon, though. And uh, I wasn't supposed to be doing any uh, lower body exercises besides like a uh, leg press. Definitely wasn't supposed to be putting weight on my back. And the upperclassmen, like when you lift and the way they did it was like they had you broken up into lower classmen and upperclassmen. And you, if you were lower classmen, you would lift like little weight and upperclassmen lift big weights. Right. And then it would vary per position group. Right. So running backs lift less, you know, big linemen lift more. So I was like, I want to lift with the big guys. I can lift that. I can. I wanted to show them how strong I was. I'm ready to play right now. I'm a freshman. Don't count me out. I'm ready. I'm not weak. I'm strong. So I go over there to lift. It's like, let's see what you got. So I put on my back. I go, oh, ah. wow. Racket, racket, racket. I racket. Oh, oh, he left it. Pinched a nerve in my back. Wow. And I didn't know the difference between being hurt and being injured. Yeah. So I went on like I was hurt, but I was injured. And I went like that for months. Until, oh, jeez, oh, I don't know. I was freshman, probably 18, 19. I don't know. All right. However young freshman is making me feel old now, Jeff. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, and then, you know, long story short, I, I ended up uh, looking at my left leg one day and I noticed that, man, my right leg was solid muscle. My left leg was like jelly. Mm-hmm. And aside from all the pain that I was in and, uh, I was like, something's seriously wrong. And so I got an MRI and I had a pinched nerve and I had been playing on it for months. And uh, they had to have emergency back surgery because my left leg was going to be paralyzed in the atrophy. Well, yeah. So, um, this book that you've completed, Who Am I After Sports? Um, did you always want to write a book and share your testimony and story or did you have to get talked into it? Yeah, uh, I did have to get talked into writing this book, but uh, I always wanted to be a writer since growing up. I, I wanted to write like uh, fiction books, um, but then I got caught up in sports and that became my identity. I kind of lost sight of that. But um, now I'm like more on the, you know, self-help development side uh, type writer. I think I'll still do like a children's book and, and maybe like one uh, fiction book. But but man, this book is a labor of love took me five years to probably write on and off. Like it wasn't just like every day, but I almost didn't write it multiple times because I was tired of writing. I just wanted to speak. Um, and because I thought I had to have like all of this deep research that nobody could find in the book. And then I was like, you know what? Somebody told me, have you ever thought about the, he said, they, they, they said this to me. 
because I was stressing out, staying up all nights, taking a master's level research class. They said if if a army went to war and everybody passed away when they went to war and only one survivor came back and wrote a book about it, would you read it or would you ask them, did they do their research first? Yeah. Yeah. And they said, you are the research. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> so I, I got the book out there and man, it's been doing great. Uh, it's uh, number 10 in the football category right. and uh, it hit number one new release on a couple of different categories. It's doing really well right now. A lot of people loving the message and it's a blessing to see God work through your story and, and help others. Oh, for sure. And congratulations on that. Uh, who are your sports heroes growing up? I think of Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, two sport athletes. Who did you really watch? Man, I'm a young buck, so you know it was Kobe. Kobe was my guy, man. Uh, and that that I love that guy from from on the field and off the field. He's my favorite athlete. Uh, Jordan was always from a mentality standpoint, like who I most connected with from an athlete. Like I didn't I didn't really study a lot of other athletes. I probably should have, but my mindset was was like Michael Jordan. Like even the last dance documentary, my wife was watching it. She was like, that's why you're like this. <laughs> I was like, yes. And so, uh, yeah, he was from a mentality standpoint, but just from an everyday life athlete, uh, Kobe would be the one. Daryl, who are you after sports? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm a, a child of God and uh, I am a person who loves people and uh, desires to see people live the abundant life. Now, talk to me a little bit. Um, this is actually on the uh, sports channel I have, but I'll also post it on our channel, our small church here in uh, New England. Um, there's something about when God has his favor on us. Uh, now you serve as a vocational pastor. What does that look like? What does that mean to you? <laughs> you want to see what it looks like? Let me turn the camera. <laughs> this, this is what it looks like <laughs> sitting in this office. Um, oh, oh, no, this is funny. Let's do this since we're here. So you see uh, the book is there, right? Yeah. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Watch this. Uh, hold on. My mic. Ready? The Bible's here. <laughs> this is my study yeah. Bible, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is my other Bible. There you go. <laughs> so uh, that's what it's like, man. It's uh, it's all all ministry is, Jeff, and you know this, man. Is it's just being obedient to God, just letting them do it. There you go. You see, see, that's what it's like, man. I mean, you know, you 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 make sure he's your priority. Yeah, you, you spend time getting your directions and your mission, and you prioritize not just your relationship, but your family, uh, your self-care. And then you just go out and let God work through you. And that's the recipe, man. I don't I don't necessarily see my life in boxes. I see everything I do as unto the Lord. Not just not just what I do for others, but you know, what I do in my daily life, I think I do it as unto the Lord, you know. Um so and I'm not trying to be overly spiritual. I'm just saying like God is with us wherever we go. And so ministry isn't as mysterious as we make it. Well, I would agree with that. And uh, Daryl Stinson, DarylStinson.com. I just want to ask a couple questions about um, just family, maybe a little personal. Yeah, go for it, man. I'm an open book. But uh, well, we lost um, a good friend, uh, bad heroin. He had been clean for two years, and it was just crazy scenario. How important is it that the church 
intervenes and intersects lives with truth and grace, but doesn't preach to the point of pushing people away. What does that balance or healthy rhythm look like? <laughs> I don't. I, so I, I'm. That's a great question, by the way. Um, here's my philosophy. Okay, and it's I got a Bible verse for it. It's the goodness of God leads to repentance. Yeah. I don't know why we think it'll work if we preach on sin and people are going to get saved. <laughs> like we might scare people to heaven, but that doesn't work. Uh, for God so loved the world that He gave. Yeah, and when you look at how Jesus walked the earth, He was the only people He was really rude to was the the religious folks, yeah. but He treated sinners nicely. In fact, that He was known as a friend of sinners. And so it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. I think if we preach Christ and the goodness and uh, the grace of God, I think people will recognize their need for a savior. I think people would actually be interested in Christianity. And this might throw you off a little bit, but I think when we are normal, smiling, sports watching, grocery shopping Christians, that people actually take interest in that. I, I tell people this all the time. One of the greatest compliments I feel like I've ever gotten as as a pastor is uh, there was a guy from inner city Detroit who gave his heart to the Lord. Um, and he said, the only reason why I came to this church is because I saw you and your friend. And I thought that y'all were normal black people and y'all weren't wearing three piece suits. And I have nothing wrong with the three piece suits. I've got on a suit jacket right now. It's just y'all were normal people. I feel like I could relate to and not religious people who I felt like I would never be able to, to, to be friends with. That's so good. Uh, Daryl, a couple questions and uh, we'll get you out. Thanks again for being generous with your time. My pleasure, man. You mentioned before, and uh, it's well documented, uh, the suicide attempt. <sighs> what were you feeling in those moments or what hope would you give to people that are in similar situations? Um, I know you don't have this information, but I, I feel like I need to share this. So I'm going to give you a phone number. Um, to text um no text the suicide hotline if you have those thoughts but 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 join my text community 770-407-5177 say it again 770-407-5177 um i've been doing a lot around mental health because the the pressure that the pandemic has put on a lot of people yeah. I've always been a mental health advocate, but I would say I would say that because and the reason why I say that is because where I feel like I, I I God's called me to make a difference. Like my one of my keynotes for mental health is called bootstrap mental health. So I don't like get into the science. And there's a time to understand the science and the body and the way that it works and all this stuff. But I when I when I was there, man, I was just looking for hope. I was looking for a reason to live and I didn't have one. And me understanding how science works was not helping me <laughs> um and and then even as an athlete oh my gosh it's in, it's in the book but how many people said oh man just do what you're passionate about i'm like dude i'm passionate about sports i'm not passionate about anything else so that wasn't helping either you and so i'm really practical when it comes to talking about mental health i'm like let's talk about what works what helps not what should work or should help like what is actually going on in your life and so join my text community i'll be happy to to serve in that way. But um, man, when I was there, I could not see beyond my pain. I could not be see beyond my my failures. My advice to anyone uh, who's facing any type of depression, uh, number one, get a counselor. Uh, number two, just because you need to get professional help <laughs> or just because you might need to take some uh, 
um, medications does not mean you're less valuable, less spiritual. Uh, it does not mean that you're worthless. Um, in fact, it just means that you're prioritizing your mental health, which we all should do. Uh, but I always say this is aside from those, aside from the, 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 the physical side of things, depression is a spiritual battle and the enemy likes to lie to us and tell us that we don't matter. Take Jesus as our ultimate example that we matter. Next time the enemy tells you that you don't matter and you don't have a future, you fight with your spiritual weapons and you tell them that God actually has plans for me. So much plans for me that he actually shed his blood and died for me. And you tell the person to stop lying to you and you believe in the truth because it is the truth, my friend, that sets us free. Oh, Daryl, thank you so much. And again, that number is 770-407-5177. Daryl, I'll get you out on this question and hopefully a fun one after. We have an election coming up. Uh-huh. We have a pandemic that's going on. Wildfires, tornadoes, wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, everything the Bible <laughs> says. I don't know if we're in the last days. I just know that God doesn't want any to perish. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you who you're voting for, but I am asking you as a Christian, how can we share God's hope in such a turbulent time? In the world should know them by their love. Love is always the bridge. Not hate, not arguments, not sighs, not anger, not frustration, love. If you want to show people Jesus, show them love because God is love. That's a fact. Daryl, last question. If or when, let me say, when the uh, feature film is made about your life, and I stole this question from uh, Hernando Plano's Be Contagious podcast, Be Contagious, go check it out, listen to Hernando's podcast. But if or when, when that feature film is made about your life, who plays you in that feature film? Mm. I think it would be, I think it would be cool if my, well, I don't have a son, but if I had a son by then, if God wants it to happen, I think it'd be cool if my son played me. There you go. Uh, and if I, if not, then uh, I'd, I'd just have to play my own role. <laughs> like Will Smith did it, you know, so I can do it. Yeah. So that's my answer. I'm sticking to it. All right, man. Uh, Daryl, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, certainly an inspiration, but thank I you. do want you to know that when the evil one attacks or you have thoughts, just go back to knowing your worth and what God's brought you through. And um, we think of your family as you've just endured another tragedy. And we just thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Well, thank you. And I speak blessings over everything that you're doing. Uh, I appreciate your excellence, your tenacity, and your commitment uh, to the expansion of the kingdom. We are brothers, and I love you. Thanks so much, Daryl. And again, Daryl Stinson, DarylStinson.com. You can also go to SecondChanceAthletes.com. My name is Jeff Fuller. Subscribe on YouTube, J. Fuller Interviews. Join the Facebook group, J. Fuller Interviews. Instagram and Twitter, J. Fuller Interviews. And of course, the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews on Google Podcasts and now on iTunes. Thanks, all.